Hello everyone, welcome back. Now, let's pick up from where we left off with Padre Chris Perona on his role as a biblical counselor. There's a verse that um, captures this in a nutshell. And it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So even my faith in Jesus that gets me saved, Mm -hmm. even that is not of myself. It's a gift. Mm -hmm. So for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. So it's kind of like the way I would describe it is if you think of a turtle, a turtle is going to do turtle things. It's going to walk around like a turtle and it's going to eat turtle food, right? And it's happy being a turtle because that's, it's what it is. It's it's all it knows, right? But if I get a magic wand and I zap that turtle and it becomes a dove, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be a turtle anymore. It's a dove. Mm -hmm. It's not going to eat turtle food. It's not going to try to put its head inside its turtle shell. Mm-hmm. it's going to fly away. And that's, that's essentially the good news. Jesus Christ has come to essentially turn us into something new and beautiful that is free. And, and he does, he, there's a spiritual change that he does, has done in me, that has changed so laws and rules, and we often think of Christianity and God as a real kill jerk and he's got all these rules and he sucks the joy out of life. It's actually the opposite. He frees me from the, the more baser carnality of yeah. my, yeah, my, like we're, we're animals and we have animal urges, but we're also noble. We're made in God's image. And, and, and so often religions are thought of in terms of like outward controls and unfortunately they are, Mm. but to understand what Jesus does, he affects a change inwardly spiritually. So rather than controlling you outwardly with laws and fear, you Mm. know, good works and reward, he actually changes what you want. Yeah. He changes what you love so that I, in my nature, are drawn to love God and I'm drawn to love my neighbor. I'm not saying I'm perfect at that yet. That's I'm still catching up to that reality in the future, but that is fundamentally how to think about the good news that Jesus Christ came to bring. He changes what we love. Do you think which is liberating? It's liberating. It's freeing. Do you think it's an out? It can be used as an out or like a reason. In what to... way? I like you. I like your thinking because this is this is good. You're 
<laughs> you're a very clever person. So ask, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I've heard this is, this is good. No, this, I like your train of thinking. Keep going. <laughs> like, could it be like an out? All right. Well, you know, I'm already a believer, you know, and all that. So yeah. whatever I do, I can, I'll think about being a good person a little bit later in life when I'm a bit older. Yeah, I'll, I'll just get, I'll indulge in my carnal, fleshly yeah. desires. Like and God will give me some slack because, you know, he's merciful. He's forgiven me. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. You and And you could do that. You could do that. But for me... Like I, I can't judge whether someone I, I wouldn't like to be a person that tries to work out whether another person has had that inward change. Mm-hmm. And there are times where I do I do um, what I'm ashamed of and and that's part of the struggle of still kind of I'm saved and yet I struggle with my old habits and my old you know my you know I'm still attracted to some of my old things that I know are wrong and and hurt and hurt God like uh, are against what he wants for me in my life and and that's why I referred that's why I said to you that God is more faithful than my unfaithfulness or you know my limited faithfulness but ultimately it's like I really love Jesus so why would I like what I do now adds to what he has to pay for in the past it's a timey-wimey thing if you think of it. It's a what? A timey-wimey thing. Sorry, that's a uh, Doctor Who reference. So mm-hmm. so Christ died on the cross and he's, he has borne my sin, my, my evil, my breaking of my own standards even, some of them that are actually aligned with God. So why would I go out and deliberately add to his punishment but he was already why would you do that but why why would I do that to someone that I love like you wouldn't do that to your mum or dad like you wouldn't deliberately go out and do stuff that would bring harm to them knowing that they'll still love you just the same okay would you no I might not tell them (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 I get all that yeah yeah but you know you get where I'm going with it yeah I got it I do have a question though two questions so one question you said you can't really tell if someone has an inward change is that Mm -hmm. true (laughs) well I think I think you would like you would okay so I was being, I had a specific thought when I said that. Mm. And, I, and I think like we are, the, the Bible does actually, there's a part of the Bible that tells us not to go around trying to act, you know, kind of like make a pronouncement or oh, you're a Christian or you're not, you know, yeah. you believe or you don't really believe. Um, we should be able to tell because you should be able to look at my life, Chris Broner's life, and say overall, like he's a bit of a dipstick, and yeah, what a douchebag, and yeah, he, he he's got all these different failings. But overall, he does seem to reflect qualities that are recognisable as being Christ-like. I'm not saying I'm I'm like Jesus and I go around doing. I'm not talking about miracles. I'm I'm talking about my character. 
my integrity, my values, the way that I make decisions, the way that I mm. treat people with, with respect, um, the, like the direction of my life, which is, um, you know, I, I seek to serve those who serve. Um, so I think overall, like if you look at my life, the, the relationship that I have with my wife and my children, hopefully you would say, you know what, that, that looks pretty all right. Mm. So through actions, mm. because that's what through actions through gone right. Like yeah, absolutely. That you, yeah, like so. And inward. So Jesus said he had this fantastic um, little saying where it's out of your heart that comes either good words and good actions, good thoughts, or bad evil. Like it's it's. It's like that inward part of us that, so we should be able to say, we should be able to look at someone's actions and words and life and hopefully say, yeah, that person's overall resembles mm. um, a good person or, 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 or reminds me of Jesus. I, I think even like, people who don't believe in God or Jesus or anything like that, as far as I'm concerned, they're still made in God's image. Yeah. And so I still sell, like, you can't help it, you know. So when you come across someone and they show um, integrity where, you know, they could have mm. compromised or they could have cheated, and, but they do the right thing, even to their own detriment, I celebrate that. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's one win for humanity, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um. But yeah, I really, I really appreciate the the idea that not the idea. Oh, oh maybe that the idea. Maybe okay. I really appreciate that Jesus as a figure is a role model for so many people. Um, I mean, prophets in general, they are role models. They represent all the right things you're supposed to do. Um, so I guess <laughs> yeah. sometimes when you come across someone that you know is so inherently good, it hurts you because it's like I should be more like that. You can't help but yeah. think that I, you know this is a messenger, or maybe a mirror of a messenger that you know a reminder. I've crossed paths with this person, and this person reminds me of a prophet or messenger, and that is I, I feel like in a way, us being reminded, probably through no accord of our own in terms of free will, because when you cross paths, you just cross paths. Like, it's not like a plan to cross paths with somebody. It just happens. And that reminder of, you know, when you meet such inherently good people, just kind of takes you back to the images of the prophets that we have learned about or been exposed to or associated mm. with well i wonder you might have you might have to brace yourself now tell me because like ready for incoming um so i would i would like my assertion is that he's more than a prophet oh so okay. yeah so i i would assert that jesus is actually god come in the flesh if you think about it, like, do you want to do some philosophy first? 
because yeah. I know you like philosophy. So let me go around. A, so let me go around about. So when so like, I tell you one thing that might be surprising, and that is, atheists and myself agree, right? So when we look outside the window, so I can look. I'm looking outside my window, and if I look really hard, I can see the sky. And so an atheist, when they look out the window, they see sky. We both agree with that. We see trees, we see clouds, we see the earth, we see oceans. We all agree with the data. Where we disagree is how we interpret the data. Okay. So where did, where did this come from? Where did, where did this sky come from? Where did the solar system, the universe come from? So we acknowledge the data. We can see things and we can experience them. So, but how do we interpret the data? And when you look at all the world religions, they are, so a religion is essentially a collection of people have agreed on a collective understanding of the data. Mm -hmm. So they, so, so they, so they say, look, when we see the data, we think that the data points us towards there being uh, the world is on a turtle that's being held up by a being or, you know, there are all sorts of things, you know, you, you look at all the different religions, but essentially it's like they're all people saying, trying to make, trying to understand the data. Yeah. Now the, the trick is with, with God, the way that I understand God is God is invisible. So how do we, how will you know who this invisible God is? Well, I would, I would, my assertion is that, that God came in the flesh and dwelt among us. Back to John, the Gospel of John. Um, so I'll just quickly turn to John and, and then, so it says in John, in, oh, sorry, I'm getting a bit of feedback. Telling me that my battery is low. Keep going. Uh-oh, keep going. Okay. So in, in the Gospel of John, we have we have these words, and I'll just go quickly. So in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made. Mm-hmm. And then it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So my assertion is that Jesus is that word, which is God, that created everything, and he became flesh because there was no way we were all going to be able to look at the data and find and worship the true invisible god God so he had to make himself sorry say again god descended and to teach us the things that we needed to learn correct he became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth so the only way we're going to really understand god and come into relationship with god is through jesus christ so in that way, yeah, I realise what I'm saying is mm. controversial, um, especially since it, it 
you know, it's quite specific and saying that Jesus understood and taught that he is and was God. Mm. Is it the concept of that's why that's why they killed him, by the way. The religious leaders organized for his crucifixion because they didn't want him to because he kept forgiving people's sins. Only God can do that. And he kept saying, I am, which is a phrase that when Moses encountered the burning bush and asked God for his name, he said, I am. That's his name. God, that's God's name. I am. Because he's always existed. There's no beginning or end. So, yeah, Jesus really clearly taught that he was and is God. Mm. So it's, he's more than an example. Uh, yeah. So it's, it creates a big dilemma for people because it's like, yeah, what do you do with this guy? Because, yeah, is he, was he, is he God? And therefore, okay, well, I should really listen to what he's got to say. Or was he crazy? Or was he lying? What, what, what would it matter if you believe the teachings, then that's all that matters, right? Does it really matter? Well, well, it does. It matters a lot because if you, yeah, if you believe that he's God, then he has authority over your life, and he's able to, he's able to dictate who you should be and how you should live. In other words, love God and love your neighbor. And and people don't like that because. They want to be free and autonomous. They want to make their own decisions and pursue that which... They want to build a kingdom for themselves which they're in control of. Mm. So to have Jesus as God is a threat. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Science of the Soul. This is a short interruption to let you know that if you or someone you know are in need of more support, you can find me at Road to Recovery on my Facebook page, my Instagram, or my website at aroadtorecovery.org. I hope you've enjoyed listening so far. And now let's get back to the podcast. But Jesus as a person is still a threat. Yeah, exactly. Because if he's not if he's not God, then he's crazy <laughs> or he's lying. But there's no way to prove that. And I, I don't understand. So for example, if you become a disciple of Jesus, and Jesus yeah. may be a person or he may be God, ultimately if you're dis- you're dis- you're a disciple of the faith, then you do certain things. And whether or not you believe that he's God or he is a human or you know, mm-hmm. superhuman, how, how does that impact or interact your, with your spirituality? Mm-hmm. So if he's not God and if he's like a superhuman, um, then I don't think he would really be able to die for me and rise from the dead. Because only God can really do that. But you still believe what he's teaching. You still follow. Well, what he, yeah, so, so what I'm saying is what he teaches, it comes from the fact that he needs to be God, not a superhuman. Okay, so it's in a I theology. Think, 
Yeah, I think I think look, don't get me wrong, like if you follow if you started living according to the teachings of Christ and you didn't actually believe that he was God, I I would I would really hope that you would still your life would benefit, I guess. Mm. But but that's not the point. The point is that God came in the flesh to rescue us. Mm. into from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light to bring about that spiritual change which can only happen by god you must be born of god john mm-hmm. says we're spending a lot of time in john which is really cool because we did talk about how you read you remembered john didn't you before yeah i mean it's anyway. been years <laughs> 12 years mm, mm. maybe maybe my cha- maybe my challenge will be uh, when we finish this podcast, you can tell me that book that you recommended, which I've already forgotten, and then and then I'll I'll challenge you to read read the Gospel of John, and then then we can uh, confer. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't have to challenge me to do it. Now I'm already like, I, I really need to read that again. <laughs> That's what's happening. <laughs> That's great. Well, I'm really happy for that. But I, I I'll have a look at your book as well. But you can tell me which book it was later because I've forgotten. Sure, sure. That's really interesting mm. that um, you, I mean, before we start recording and I was talking about Moses and monotheism that um, Freud wrote and his theory on how the, um, the Israelites killed Moses after he had rescued them and that was repressed. And then he continues to say that that is then repeated later on with Christianity where, you know, some, you know, Jesus came tried to like save people and then they killed him and then they felt really sorry and then repressed that. And then, um, so I'm having this, this sort of like, I need to read that again <laughs> to try and understand what Freud was on about. It, it was debunked later on, but he was talking about um, latency in generations, in collective, uh, collectively, um, in experiencing trauma. So it's like PTSD latency, but on a macro level through mm-hmm. ethnicity. And then later on that was applied um, with, with the Holocaust as well, about how, how for the first 20 years, the um, Jewish people repatriating back to Israel from the Holocaust um, and Israel didn't acknowledge that they were the victims of genocide until 20 years later. But they, basically the theory is that there is latency in processing and understanding and even acknowledging and accepting that such horrific things had happened. But anyways, um, moving away from that, <laughs> um, <laughs> because I don't, I, I don't know it well enough to go that deep. I just started reading it. Um, but sure. there is one thing I do want to ask you, and that is something that, you know, I wouldn't say plagues a lot of my conversations, but comes up. And I would really appreciate your stance on this because it's it's present in all monotheistic religions whereby there is that concept of the fact that god is a tyrant and you said that earlier you know that you know the rules and the thing the must and the muslims the should and the shouldn'ts 
that uh, acts as a governing force, an external force. How is an individual, and, and, and the God that you've been talking about is very much compassionate, very, you know, all about the light, the kingdom of light, um, forgiving. So how does, how does that work out? You know, this is God that you have to be fearful of, and that's extremely prevalent in the, um, in the Torah and the Quran as well, and bits of the Bible. How, how does that play out? Why is that even there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that most world religions tend to have a single being as as their main god, to use that word, where the Bible teaches that that God is actually three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The and, and I, I picked up, you were going to ask me about the Trinity or you mentioned Trinity. And I think that's really important because there is a relation, that God has a relationship within that Trinity of love. It's very hard to have a relationship of love if you're a single being. So God, because God describes himself in, uh, in one John as God is love. That's how essentially he describes himself. So in reference to the, the law and that kind of like that whole fear thing, do and don't, I think that, I think that um, say, for example, the Ten Commandments, um, the Ten Commandments are negatively expressed. Mm-hmm. So you, you shall not murder. Yeah. You shall not commit adultery. But they're now. This is this might blow your mind a little bit, but they're positively meant. So they're so think of them in, in terms of categories. So, for example, you shall not commit adultery. We think of it in terms of like a very narrow, don't have sex with someone that you're not married to or outside of your marriage. That's what it means. But it's positively meant. So it's actually a statement about faithfulness. So we should positively be working in our marriage, if you are married, um, to, to be faithful. So it's negatively expressed but positively, positively meant. And I can demonstrate that because the summary of the law is positively expressed. Love God, love your neighbour. Mm. So the Ten Commandments kind of like, well, how do I love my neighbour? Well, don't kill him. That's a good start. (laughs) But we should also be concerned about promoting life. Mm. Right? So it's not just don't kill him. It's like, well, you know, if if you're in a rural setting, don't cut off the river and just hog all the water because he's not going to be able to grow his crops. So... It's negatively expressed, but positively meant. Love God, love your neighbor. So it says, yeah, don't have I, don't make an idol, don't make graven images, don't do this. But positively meant, it's like, love God. Mm. So I think I think that 
why negative language is why is it employed is it is it employed yeah, because, because that's what's happening at the time that someone had to say do seriously don't do this this is yeah, yeah so the, one of the one of the biggest challenges to the human condition is we often think of it in terms of oh well you know i find it hard to you know, resist the temptation to have sex outside of marriage and I break the commandment and, I, you know, I, I get angry with people and I use violence. That's, that's true. That's bad. But what's more insidious about the human condition is, is that we're disposed to forget God and to live, like, independently of God and our frame of reference becomes about me and what I want and my kingdom. Yeah. And a lot of anxiety and depression and a lot of mental health issues comes out of that dissonance that we're not living in harmony with God and each other because fundamentally my life is about me, what I get, what you give, what you're what I can get from you, um, what obstacle you pose to me like in what way you're a threat to me and so I'm gonna you know hurt you or push you away or use you or and so yeah so I think that they're negatively expressed because we have a lot of trouble seeing our need for God and mm -hmm. so the law is there to show us that we don't keep it that we have hearts of stone mm. and that our real need is for that spiritual rebirth to be born again that comes from putting our faith in Jesus and being born again and being made new and having what we want changed mm. from having an inward perspective to an outward perspective. Mm. I know I'm saying this in a very categorical way and I don't mean it to be that way. Like, people who don't believe in Jesus and people who are atheists still are made in God's image. So there's still aspects of their life, which is outward mm -hmm. and it's still good. Right. So I'm not, yeah, don't, don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but the law is negatively expressed because we're just so blind to God and our need for him. Um, and so I think that the laws are there to, to wake us up, to be that kind of stern, hey, look, you you are breaking these laws. You're in trouble. Yeah. You need to come, to, you know, to God to receive forgiveness and, and mm -hmm. to put your trust in him rather than in yourself. But and I think a lot of people, oh, sorry, you go, you go. Um, if, but if it's a scary image, if he is commanding and tyrannical and punishing why mm. would you want to submit um except for the fact that he pretty much owns you and what's going to happen in the hereafter and the reason why I, I i this is this just i can't understand this properly is because i have had some experience with end-of-life care and um and also with my mother towards the end. Um, and when I was working at end of life care, I was working in an, in an Anglican institution. And the, my, my clients, they were 
God-fearing towards the end, they really feared God, but it was causing them distress rather yeah. than peace. And I was just very confused as to how, how one would navigate their spirituality around, yes, we know it's about love, but we're also afraid because of the consequences, because there are a lot of fears. And, you know, he has these commandments and these demands. And at the end of life, which is, you know, the, probably the most important point, um, why would faith or belief in God be fueled by fear, you know, when you, yeah, okay, partly I'm going to go meet him, like, I hope I didn't screw up, <laughs> but at the yeah. same time, why is it not like, you know, now that we, we know that we have been saved and our sins have been atoned for anyways, mm -hmm. Why still that death anxiety? Why not that death excitement? Oh. Sure. Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's a difficult question to answer without knowing that person. But it is one of the things, it's one of the areas that I do work in as a biblical counsellor because I think that the, the, the church, and I use that word really broadly like you know anglicans and presbyterians and baptists and roman catholics and overall we haven't done a really good job and i think that inherently it's partly because the human the human condition is we're just so geared towards expecting that i have to do something to get a reward and it's really hard to shake that off grace the idea, the concept of grace is really hard to accept at an emotional level. And so we tend to kind of veer back or, or default back to works and, and, and to worry, have I done enough? Am I good enough? Will, will I get to heaven because have I got enough flybys? Mm -hmm. and, and so my role as a pastor is like, I'm literally called a minister of Christ because I literally minister Christ. <laughs> and so my role is to my role is to bring Christ into a person's life so that they understand that it is about grace and they don't have to worry because Jesus is he's got it covered. Mm. He's got it covered and he and he really loves them and their hope is in him not in themselves. And it I totally get, and I hope that when it time when my time comes, I I really hope that I can demonstrate some semblance of um, assurance and calm when I die. But I can't say that. I don't know how my body is going to react because we're we're spiritual and physical. We're, we've got a body and soul, and so at that time, I think that what really matters is it. What matters most is God's love for that person. That's more important than their moment of anxiety. Mm. That's not going to put God off. Mm. If I stumble at the end and I get really fearful at the end, that won't undermine God's love and salvation that he's gifted me. Uh, my own sister died of cancer a number of years ago, and that was a heartbreaking 
time for myself and my family, my parents. Um, she's six years younger than me and she didn't make it to 40. So, but she she was really fearful at, at the time of her dying. Um, but that wasn't as important to me as the times where she had expressed that her hope was in Christ. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. Look, it does make sense, but it's just at the end, I guess, ideally, if there could ever be an ideal death, um, mm. it would be one where you're not feeling utter distress, one of acceptance. And if you mm -hmm. have that spiritual grounding, um, and I, I also acknowledge that, you know, we are a body and soul so there are two parts to us um whatever it is that we can somehow ground ourselves um through what's a more peaceful or smooth transition i guess right um and well through our faith mm -hmm. through you know our spirituality through that that would be the thing that helps us through that phase rather than that being the thing that like freaks us out and you know mm -hmm. makes our transition a really particularly challenging one not only for us but the ones around us because they will remember ultimately that you know we were freaking out before we died mm. um mm. and that doesn't yeah, go no. for the future generations either yeah yeah my my heart goes out to those people who have struggled at the end of their lives. And it, it does, it, it genuinely saddens me um, as a pastor that, look, I know that there, there, were period, there were periods in my ministry as a minister, a Presbyterian minister, where I was hard on my congregation mm. and, and, and I lost sight of grace and I was trying to get them to be better, work harder. Um, and, and I regret that. And, and I think that, yeah, I would hate to think that some of my former flock would struggle on their deathbed because of me, um, because I did not, reflect model preach and teach the grace of god in their lives because there is a tremendous amount of grace even in the old testament which we often think is you know god's a god of thunder and in yeah. the new testament god's a god of love but i know yeah. i think if you read the bible closely i think that's a very bad character yeah um so i think grace is all the way through god's always smallest to deal with and god just chose to love them and bless them despite them and the whole of the testaments you know a testament to god's consistent faithfulness to a people who they constantly um they constantly doubted him mm. away from him loved false gods made false idols did deplorable things that 
the most basic human ideas. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, I think, yeah, I think my call to all my colleagues, please, please come back to grace. Mm. So just to repeat the last line, because I lost mm. it a little bit there. Um, you said a calling to all your colleagues. Yeah, I think my internet, I challenge, Sorry, again? Yeah, um, yeah, that's all right. The, so my challenge to my colleagues is please go back to grace, mm. God's grace and, and God's love. Yeah. I think we forget, you know, we're, we can all, it's always probably good for us to read, read the Gospels again mm. to be reminded of just how, how yeah, the Christ's grace. <laughs> Thank you so much, Padre, for your time and all your wise words and, and helping me understand things that I never did. So um, I really enjoyed Thank you. What a privilege. <laughs> Likewise, I really enjoyed this chat. Um, and can you tell our listeners where to find you if they'd like to get to know more about you or um, talk to you or learn about your work? Sure. So I do have a website and it's called lifewithchrist.com.au. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's that's my website. Um, and if you Google uh, foundation Foundations uh, Counseling Centre, mm-hmm. you'll get the website through which I practice. So that that will that will help you find me. Okay. Um, and you can read some of my articles or connect with me. Thanks, yeah. thanks for having me. I was I was quite nervous at the beginning. Like, what am I going to say? And then I think you couldn't keep me quiet once we got going. <laughs> you know, I, I just like how like these sort of things happen organically, um, and the things that need to be talked about just becomes the topic. Like they just get talked about. So yeah, unstructured. <laughs> Um, well, yeah. thank you again. I'll let yeah, you. thank you. I, I, I had, I had a good time. Thank you. <laughs> Likewise, um, and I'll see you around. Hopefully. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank bye bye. Thank you. Bye.